Hey everybody, welcome to episode 22 of Junior Golf Keys. I'm your host, Matt, and this week I'm joined by the head men's golf coach at Tiffin University, Jacob Miller. Uh, Jacob's going into his second season at Tiffin University in Ohio, Division II school. Um, Originally, Jacob and I caught up uh, actually via email. He sent me a message uh, just thanking me for a couple episodes that we had done where he pulled away some valuable information and uh, had an opportunity after that to catch up with him on the phone and get to know each other a little bit. And we thought it'd be a great opportunity to bring him on the show and give a little bit of a different perspective um, from a college coaching point of view and uh, really excited that we were able to bring him on. Uh, Jacob played his collegiate golf at Marshall University in Huntington, West Virginia in his junior season. Uh, He helped the team win three tournaments uh, and then was a team captain his senior year. Uh, After he graduated, he was named the assistant men's golf coach uh, for a semester. And following that, he had an opportunity to go to the University of Finley as the men's graduate assistant um, and then ultimately took over as the interim assistant men's and women's golf coach. Um, at University of Finley before he took his talents to Tiffin. So uh, really excited to have him on. He's a young, energetic coach that has a super big passion for uh, just helping his players develop as young men and as golfers um, and as students as well. So uh, we have a really good chat. I really appreciated him reaching out and uh, appreciate him joining the podcast And I just want to pause for a second. I really appreciate you guys. Um, I appreciate you joining me and uh, tuning in every week for these episodes. I appreciate the feedback that you guys are giving us uh, so that we can continue to make this thing better. Um, And I don't want it to stop there. So if you could uh, share the podcast, if you like it, uh, pause it right now, go leave a review. Um, I've said this before, good, bad, indifferent, Uh, just want honest feedback so that we can continue to make this thing a valuable resource for you guys. So I appreciate all that you do. Thank you for joining. Uh, If you sit tight, I'll be right back with my interview with Jacob Miller. All right, guys, welcome back to this episode of Junior Golf Keys. Uh, Today joining me, I've got the head coach of the men's golf team, at Tiffin University, Jacob Miller. I've got Jacob on the line. How's it going, man? I'm doing great, Matt. I appreciate you having me on the pod. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I'm glad you could join us. Uh, it's funny, you know, we've talked a little bit, um, you know, just chatting before we got started today. And then we had a call uh, last week just to catch up and get to know each other a little bit. Um, it's just kind of funny. We were talking just now even about, you know, how things come together. Um, you had reached out to me after you ran across one of the podcasts I did with uh, Coach Conrad Ray at Stanford. And um, you're a younger coach, not, you know, young by any means, but uh, younger in the field. And, you know, you're taking some things away from that episode. And I think it's kind of neat that uh, we circled up and, you know, kind of have an opportunity to get a little bit of a different perspective on college coaching. For sure, yeah. I, I listened to a couple of your pods, especially the ones with the other coaches, uh, college coaches. And um, I, I was, I really learned a lot and took some notes and some things that I'm going to, you know, incorporate in my own program. And so I just wanted to reach out, you know, 
tell him great job and it's just funny how things work out now now i'm on the pod so <laughs> yeah it is yeah, yeah it's neat um just for the audience i mean you've had a lot of good experience um in a fairly short career so can you just kind of talk about um just give the audience some context around who you are just your introduction to golf and how you got started and then kind of what your path and journey has been like so far absolutely so Grew up in Pataskala, Ohio, and it's a suburb of Columbus, uh, just a little east. And we actually grew up as an ice hockey family. You know, my whole family, my brother, myself, my dad coached, uh, started at three years old. And, you know, by the time I got to middle school and had enough banged up injuries, my parents were kind of like, hey, maybe we start kind of leaning them towards a different sport and one one (laughs) that I can maybe, you know, have a little better longevity. So kind of got me in the golf in seventh grade. I was not very excited for that. I wanted to keep doing hockey and football. And I mean, I still played hockey for a little bit. And, um, you know, to this day, I still play here and there, but it was, it's just so funny because I was so against it for the first little bit. And, uh, you know, now, now I do it and I mean, I, I love it. So it's, it's good. So, um, yeah, I, uh, started and started playing just obviously middle school golf and then I took a big liking to it and uh the it was a pretty quick transition for me with ice hockey you know that movement so sure. um excelled at a a pretty quick pace and because of it had a fairly good junior golf career and was was able to actually play college golf at you can say what is my family's alma mater at marshall university in west virginia um everyone on my dad's side who has pretty much ever gone to college has gone to marshall so since wow real little i knew that if i ever got the chance i'd i would love to go there and Coach Fagans was gracious enough to give me an opportunity and, you know, loved all four years there. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, when you were, when you were transitioning from hockey to golf, I mean, what was, what was the hesitation? Do you remember kind of what was going through your head at that age? To be, to be honest, um, my, my older brother had played junior hockey and, uh, my dad played golf and he just made fun of my dad so long for not being, you know, <laughs> not a tough sport. And, you know, obviously you want to be like your big brother. So that's how I was, but uh, okay. that was kind of, it was just kind of more of an ego thing really. And then I got into okay. it, man, this thing's actually pretty cool. So, you know, then you yeah. become addicted and um, it was just, you know, slowly and, you know, just uh, splitting up that time. I mean, I, I love recruiting kids that play multiple sports, especially team sports. So they know what that team atmosphere is like, but, uh, yeah. you know, once they slowly start focusing more and more in golf, I think that's when they really develop. And, um, yeah, it wasn't until about my probably sophomore, junior year where that happened, but it was, uh, I mean, it was a good timing for me. Yeah. Um, so you, you play at Marshall and you had a good career there. Um, what, when did you decide that you wanted to go into coaching? So, yeah. So, um, like, like I said, I was, uh, pretty good junior golfer and I was actually uh, the only freshman that, that they brought in that year um, expecting to be you know the guy to come in and help and I quickly learned learned in my college career that uh, physical talents aren't really everything you know I, I had the good swing I had the work ethic things like that and I know it's funny to say at the collegiate level and that was I mean that was only you know 10 years ago but I didn't realize really how mental it was and uh, after a couple of years, you know, not really cracking the lineup, I think I made the lineup only like five times in my first two years. I slowly started to realize, like, you know, maybe averaging a 75, 76 isn't going to make any money on the PGA Tour. Yeah. So I decided to uh, go a different route. Not really sure what I wanted to do. And then it's actually really funny. My wife um, now, I went to go watch her play in college golf. It was a, it was a college event. I think it was April of my junior year of college, you know, a little over a year getting ready to graduate and I was getting my education degree and 
going to be a history teacher and I was, you know, all excited. Well, my wife at the time, she'll admit she wasn't the best golfer. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'll tell you what, she had her first opportunity to win a college event and it was one of their biggest ones they played all year. And her college coach, um, who ended up being my previous boss, um, he kind of talked her through it and watched the, the mental demons that I kind of went through on the course. And I was not successful with my first couple years of school. Watch her not only handle those, but just demolish them and win her first ever college event. I mean, she had never really even been close. And to win, I mean, it was a field of, I don't know, 100, 110 women. And she won the event. And I, on that way home, I remember I was crying and thinking and praying and I went in my bo- in my coach's office the next morning and I was like, Hey coach, I know it's uh kind of last minute, but um, I don't want to be a history teacher. I want to be a college coach just like you and transform lives and through the game of golf. And I think that I've, I have a lot of valuable experience that I can do that. And he was like, Jake, are you sure you're graduating in 12 months? And, uh, <laughs> you know, I was like, you know what? So he, he was really, he was great about it. Um, yeah. Coach, yeah. coach Grove kind of showed me, he was like, you know, it's not all the fun, you know, practice and tournament stuff. There's a lot of paperwork behind the scenes. And so after a few days of him kind of mentoring me, then we went down and I, I switched my major to what would be the most applicable thing for coaching college golf. And uh, we we went went about it. And I actually sent a message to my parents. I think I said, hey, can I come see you guys soon? So I went there and I said, well, good news, bad news, good news. I know what I'm doing for the rest of my life. Bad news. It's not going to be a history teacher. And uh <laughs> Because of that, I had to, I, I ended up graduating a semester late because I had to pretty much do a, an entire major in three semesters. But um, it's it's a decision, obviously, at the time that you know, do I take that leap of faith and you know invest myself in it, or I can just keep taking the route I was on. But looking back, five five years more than that, six six and a half years now, I'm so glad I did it. Yeah. What was that shift in your major? Yeah. So I was. Um, history education with a minor in special education and I switched to health sciences um, with an with a minor in psychology so you know I learned about nutrition exercise and then obviously psychology which like what we were talking about earlier how mental the game is and how much it has to do with confidence and self-belief yeah yeah for sure well that's awesome so you get through that and uh and you graduate and then what was your first coaching opportunity so actually, um, you had to do some form of an internship at Marshall. And, okay. Uh, I actually ended up sitting down with the assistant AD, and it, it had never happened before. And my coach and I had this great idea. Um, what a better way to get an internship than to that last really six months that I was at Marshall. I was my head coach, my, my coach in college. I was his assistant. So okay. I got to learn from him. And Coach Matt Grove came in my sophomore year. And to this day, he's probably one of the most genuine people I've ever met. Um, I mean, it's actually funny when, you know, when recruits ask about him, they're like, oh, you went to Marshall. I'm being recruited by Coach Grove. And I was like, well, let's quit talking about him because I'm going to talk too much good stuff about him. <laughs> I'm going to so, uh, sell you on that instead of coming here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, in, he's an incredible guy. You know, he'll, uh, so, so he's great. And I got to learn from him actually for about six months. Um, but we were at, we were, looking for a little bit more permanent position and uh my wife at the time was getting ready to leave the university of finley which is a division two school up here as well in northwest ohio about 30 minutes from tiffin and as she was leaving a position opened up as a men's graduate assistant i'm gonna be real honest i wasn't too keen on doing a few more years of school you know i just want to get right into coaching but i know how that works and so um the head coach at finley uh coach dom guaneri he and i had multiple sit down talks and um, yeah, he kind of let me know 
what his goals were, you know, what his his morals, the co- the culture he was trying to build there, because he'd only been there for a year or two. And, um, I, you know, I kind of bought in and I, I think that's what, what worked really well with Coach Dom and I is we were friends first and then I got to work for him. And, um, yeah, I was I was actually there for uh, you were kind of talking about that rapid pace. I was only there really for so I, I started there. I was, I was at Marshall for one semester with the men's program. And then I started as the men's GA that next semester. So spring of 2016. Um, and then I spent almost three full years there. And when I loved it, there it was great developed immensely. Um, but yeah. And then now I am here at Tiffin, but it was, it was like you said, it was a pretty, it was a pretty rapid uh, change from going to college, you know, starting coaching and looking at five years later, I'm running my own program now for my second year. Yeah, that's really awesome. Um, you got to be super proud of the path that you've taken. I mean, I think that, you know, we've talked about this before, you know, some the right place, right time sort of situation. But, you know, I also believe that people put themselves in those positions, right? The work that you put in and, you know, the foundation that you lay and um, those paths can cross where then you do end up in the right place at the right time because you've put yourself there. So that's, that's really cool. Uh, it was yeah yeah it was it was cool because yeah like I said my actually uh the way it works at, at Finley and a, a lot of smaller division two and three schools is there'll be one or two coaches that coach both programs so coach Dom and I um near the end of my time there we were we were the whatever you want to call the head and assistant men's and women's golf coaches doing both completely equally yeah um well my first semester there after that first semester at Finley the full-time assistant men's and women's golf coach took a new job so that job was vacant um within a month of school starting and i was i always joke with recruits i was very annoying to coach Don. You know, i probably <laughs> you know bothered him a little too much about it but i was like hey this is the job i want you know I, I i'll do anything you know give me the opportunity that's all i ask and you know uh him and the ad uh i was you know very persistent with uh recommending myself and you know after a semester of um doing that then they after a full semester of being persistent then they gave him the opportunity to be the interim assistant men's and women's uh which is you know full time and so I did that for one semester and like you said right time right place I mean you know the men's program had had the best team in a handful of years the women's program had won their first d2 conference title in school history and they won it by 20 um yeah women's team I think they peaked out at like fourth or fifth in the nation and so it was uh it was a really good learning experience for me. You know, I had to grow up pretty quick, but uh, yeah, I, I could not thank Coach Dom and Brainy there enough for giving me that opportunity because of that one semester of proving myself. It was, uh, it's led to where I am now. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about where you are now, but, and, and I want to talk about Finley a little bit more. I want to dive in there, but I want to go back even further to, um, you know, you mentioned Coach Grove and how he was uh, just one of the most genuine people that you've ever met. And I'm curious what did his, what did your relationship with him, how did that shape kind of who the coach you are? What, what did you pull away from him that's helped you um, jump right into coaching both at Finley and, um, you know, at Tiffin where you are now? So at, when you ask that question, I have, you know, the biggest smile on my face because I, I think a coach and I mean, everyone has a coach, you know, their coach that, you know, a little like, they like to needle him a little bit, a little razzum. And his big thing was, and we'd all used to make fun of him in college. He'd always say, I'm just looking for good people. And that was his biggest thing. No matter what happens, you know, are you a good person? Are you doing this? And we used to, you know, oh, whatever, coach, you know, you want these, <laughs> you, know, you want good golfers. And, you know, if you get good grades, great. But, you know, don't give me this malarkey about good people. I'm going on year five now. 
And I swear to you, Matt, that's the first thing I look at now. Like he's he's c- completely true about that. Yeah. Uh, and it's just so funny how how 180 my mindset has changed. Where I'm with that's why I tell parents all the time. I'm with your so, now son. Um, I mean, all the time. Sure. <laughs> of of 168 hours in a week, I'm probably with them 110. You know, when they just come in and out of the office and yeah, whatever. And do I even want to? be around these kids do the teammates want to be around them are they going to stay out of trouble are they going to get good grades you know do are they going to be low maintenance or high maintenance and he's so true and then you go from there and kind of evaluate you know can they make the grades to cut the school and then third can you develop them as golfers yeah and uh it's just so funny how six years ago we used to give him a hard time like oh yeah coach i'm sure that's all you just google good people and you know then a recruit comes up <laughs> you know you don't look at golf scores but he's 100 percent right and um He's done a great job there and he's developed some great young men. And uh, yeah, he was, he was like a second father to me and um, I owe a lot to coach Grove and his time there. And uh, yeah, he's, he's going to be doing some great things there at Marshall. He's only been there for, I think six or seven, no more than uh, seven years now. Okay. So okay. We'll be doing some great things. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, yeah. We've all had those coaches that, you know, we can pull like a very specific memory away, like you shared there, but um, that's really neat. And then, so when you go to Finley, then, experience um and it's interesting because you like you said you're with the men and the women's teams what was that like I mean there's obviously differences between men and women and um you know not to generalize or anything like that but you know personality wise and you know those types of things that can uh make coaching uh, make you approach your coaching maybe a little bit differently on each side of that coin so what is what did that look like for you Absolutely. Um, that that kind of took me, uh, I'd say, about a, at least a full semester to kind of get the grasp of that. Like you said, you, you don't want to generalize because that was something that I had on women and things like that. But at the end of the day, I mean, they're all raised differently. Um, you know, their upbringing, things like that. Um, so uh, you just got to, you know, treat every player differently, every situation differently. And that's something that Coach Dom was – very good at, at, at teaching me and you know I made I would maybe make some some harder comments on some of the women that you know you could make on some of the men on the men's team and that that didn't fly and I learned that real quickly and um but it was good I, I honestly joke with my players all the time um I like coaching women's more than men's but uh because you know sometimes they listen better I don't have to look for as many golf balls in the weeds and uh <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding but uh no it was, it was a great experience and uh yeah like you said it's uh it, I mean, just the way they, they practice, the talk, the talks in the, the van, you know, to and from trips. Um, but, but it was great. I mean, I, I like coaching women a lot and they, they were great to me. They, they helped me a lot in my, where I am now. And um, yeah, I, I owe a lot to the, the women's program I was with there for roughly two full seasons. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, it obviously led you into, into the path that you are now um, where you took over, at Tiffin, you're in your second season, I believe, there, um, and, and you're having some good success there. So I know that you guys have won a couple tournaments uh, since you've been there, and I'm just kind of curious, you know, what kind of culture are you building there 
Um, you know, what are you doing to develop these players in the program at Tiffin? For sure. So I was uh, – the, the program here at Tiffin, um, we played we have played against them a lot when I was at Finley, and they were always one of the top programs in the region. Um, Division two is a little different than D1. I didn't really know that until I started coaching D2. It's all regional-based. So, like, your national ranking obviously means something, but one of the most important things is your regional ranking because that's how you make it to regionals and then from there nationals. Um, well, Tiffin had always been one of the top teams in the region for, you know, the last – six, seven, eight years in division two. And um, yeah, so I, they had actually are, we had actually just got back from the national championship. Um, we qualified uh, spring of 2018 and then the job opened up. So it was such a quick transition. You know, I had a women's player at, uh, at university of Finley, Mackenzie Torres um, qualified for national. So, you know, a lot of the coaching you know shakeups don't really even happen until you know the season's officially over so because of right. that i mean it was great success for our men's program here at, at tiffin but um even when I, me at finley you know i was really focused on that and then i wasn't gonna really have my eyes set to this until uh until they got back from nationals the job opened up so on and so forth and it was a super fast transition probably three or four weeks when from the time they got back till they opened the job start taking applicants apply and you know, got accepted, uh, or I'm sorry, got offered and I accepted. Um, so I didn't even start here with the program until July. Yeah. My, my first month here was July and, you know, the kids get back on campus in August. So I had a, I had a right. little over a month and, you know, it was tough. I, I lost three of my top five players at the time. Didn't have any recruits coming in. Uh, didn't have a schedule for the next year. Didn't have any gear. Uh, you know, just kind of start from ground zero and, you know, having it be your first thing, I joke, you know, I was, I was drinking straight from the fire hose for the first couple months of the season, but, uh, and to <laughs> right. it all off, my wife and I were getting married that August. So, uh, it was good. Even a great... <laughs> just a couple things going yeah, on. She was amazing. Just taking over all the duties of, you know, all the stuff She's like Jake, I know you're going to be under a lot of stress. And she was like, so I will, and she did, she took over the reins for, uh, all the wedding planning and very, very blessed to have her do that. So I can focus a hundred percent on, on this program. And, we actually even ended up pushing our honeymoon back a little bit because of that. Um, but uh, no, it was, it was good. So uh, yeah, I've been here for about 18 months now um, slowly. So I was actually able to the one month that I had to prepare, I was able to bring in my first freshman uh, in that one month. Uh, he was from the Czech Republic. It was a very, very organic, if you would say um, movement. I, the day I got the job, I set up a FaceTime call. We made an offer. He booked his plane flight that night, and then he was coming to school in a month. So it was about a 24-hour oh, wow. process, and he's one of the one of the really he's one of our best players. And um, so that that was pretty cool. And uh, and I'm slowly getting my own classes in now. Um, I I'm just finishing up my second class, full class here at Tiffin. So it's it's really cool. Um, of the players, I'm gonna have on my program next year, I believe only two or three will have n never only played for me. If that makes sense, every other player yeah, on the yeah. team will have only ever played for me in their college career. So it's great. I mean, I obviously, I, I can't come in and change everything up. Right. So, sure. so I, I got to keep some things the same and have some normality for my guys. And, but slowly, slowly, I'm, you know, kind of adding a few more, few more things of my own. And I mean, by now it's been 18 months. It, it pretty much everything is my own and, it's great. Um, but yeah, I love it. Great administration here. And um, it's, it's been a great second home for me. 
Yeah. Let's talk about uh, what is the day in the life of uh, Tiffin men's golfer look like? Yeah. So for instance, this morning we, um, we had workouts, we had team workouts at 6am. So six to seven, you know, the guys probably head back, get some breakfast and then classes really range anywhere from eight till one o'clock, you know, on and off. Um, I try to get them a bulk set if they can get done by noon or so, but being a smaller private school, we obviously don't have that availability as much. So, um, but I mean, a majority of them can fit within that window to at least one o'clock. Um, so, you know, they'll be a, go to breakfast, go to class from eight till 12, 15, something like that. And then um, we're actually very blessed here on campus. We have an indoor turf football field, which is something that you don't see on many smaller D2 campuses. Um, yeah. So we have uh, indoor practice that we'll, we'll do there from 1230 to two every day. And then believe it or not, we actually also have our own golf building on campus as well. And that's where I'm talking to you from right now. Our offices are in here. We have a player's lounge, hitting room, putting room. And uh, my players, uh, we have a, a live interactive um, sign-up sheet that I can see when they are or not, you know, signing up. And uh, they have mandatory hours per week, but I kind of let them do it at their availability, you know, whenever they can, whenever they want to. Um, sure. So they'll, you know, kind of go in and out of hitting putting um on our simulator and in our golf building and then you know some of the guys will maybe do like an additional cardio or something that night for you know just to better themselves and then um i require some study tables but uh really i'll say my guys days really get done about four or five o'clock and then they have the rest of the night to do whatever they'd like you know get schoolwork done get get ready for uh get ready for the rest of the year and um so it's good my guys they're awesome they uh i i I told them at the beginning of the school year, I wanted them to set three objective goals. I don't care what they are. They can be community service-based. They can do whatever you want. Um, you know, and every team I've been on, we've really just set golf goals, which, I mean, I don't blame them. We're, we're a golf program. But this, sure. this team, um, they the number one team goal that they set was a team GPA goal. So that is amazing in itself. And um, after the first semester, they have – definitely exceeded that goal and um so it's really cool to see them hold each other accountable they'll do study table hours together and you know even some kids who maybe didn't have the best of grades in in high school um you know come to see they come to college smaller class sizes um you know teammates that push you uh mandatory study tables free tutors it's uh as long as you apply yourself you know there's the help there to get good grades yeah, yeah, that is pretty neat. Um, I think that's honestly a testament of, you know, the culture that you're building, too. I mean, I think that uh, you obviously deserve a lot of credit for uh, how you're impacting these young guys if if those are the types of decisions that they're making. Because as you and I both know, having been there and done that, um, you know, college has a lot of temptations and there's a lot of different directions that you can uh, take and spend your time. So to put that out there as a goal, um, I think that's a pretty neat thing. Absolutely. And, and I mean, the guys never have any flack about it. I mean, it's, it's awesome. I hold them very accountable for a lot of things. Um, the, the next thing I'm probably going to add into that mix starting next season is a little more community service based. Um, we have a, a great community here in, in Tiffin, small town, um, 18,000 people, but we, we have a lot of support from, from the community. So I think that's something that we're going to sprinkle in a little bit more next year. But like you said, I, I can't come in day one, you know, on the job, like, Hey, I've only been your coach for a month, but we're going to flip the whole world upside down. So <laughs> right. and, uh, it's been a very good gradual process that, like you said, a lot of the guys are buying in and it's, it's pretty cool to see. Yeah. Um, you talked about some of the practice facilities at, at Tiffin and, uh, it's neat that you guys have the availability, 
to have that indoor facilities like you do. Uh, I kind of want to talk to the community that's listening to us right now, you know, young players and parents uh, and maybe some coaches that are in a similar region as you, um, because I think one of the things that parents struggle with is, you know, and, and players, you know, where can I go practice? Where can I take my kid to go practice? How can they get better uh, when there's eight inches of snow out on the ground? Um, you know, those types of things. So in a college environment, uh, you know, you have the availability to a lot of colleges do not every single one, but a lot of colleges up North have the availability to take some of their practice inside. But what are some things that some of these kids that are out there can do, or what ideas can you give parents about training in the Northeast uh, when it's cold and there's not really much you can do outside? Absolutely. So we're kind of, uh, we're kind of indoors. I would say for about, obviously the players are indoors for about, 10 weeks throughout the school year. Um, it's always hit or miss. I mean, my guys out, were outside last week playing golf. You know, it's 50 and sunny. And, you know, it's easy sure. to do that. But I'll say through the year, about 10 weeks. And there are – and this is something I didn't really grasp onto until I became a coach. But there are so many ways to improve besides going out and teeing a ball up. I mean, yeah. for instance, a lot of kids maybe, you know, there's – well, one, we have a, a great stat provider that we use where our players get some tremendous feedback and I will actually have meetings with my guys, you know, throughout the week. And I have a meeting today with one of my seniors going over his um, ANOVA stats and his strokes gains, you know, strokes loss, see where we can, we can improve on. And a lot of the kids nowadays, you know, they have those and, uh, or you're able to get, you know, very cheap or, or even, even free ways that you can just, just track your stats see where you're struggling at. And this is something that I was not very good at growing up. It's obviously very fun to practice the things you're very good at. Um, It's not very fun to practice the things you stink at. So, um, you know, maybe check out those stats and see, you know, maybe what you struggled at and why did you struggle with those things? Some of it may be tech based. Some of it may be strategy based. And um, so those are things that some, you know, when you're indoors hitting on a simulator that you get instant feedback to the 10th of a degree on every you know measurable information you could you could think of you look at every single swing like that you can make an actual positive change in just a few weeks if you're outdoors playing golf it's kind of tougher to do that um you can sure. you can also like i said look at your stats you know where you're struggling at kind of get a new game plan uh maybe you want to reconfigure your your pre-shot routine um your self-talk i have some guys that i'm really working with them on their self-talk i notice it's not very good so even basic practice every time they hit a good shot i make them verbalize it that was a great shot because boom and just the, the more frequently that they you know look at those positives the better uh obviously the basic things you know mental game um, forgetting about bad shots, uh, work on your cardiovascular for our 36 whole days, um, little strength. Some of our guys, you know, they use things like the super speed to, uh, you know, increase club head speed, obviously having, sure. having a few more wedges in the holes, you know, that can help. And so, I mean, I just gave five, six, seven examples there. And, you know, like I said, you're only working at looking at for us 10 weeks indoors. So you can more than fill your time with, uh, ways to improve. And by the time you get outdoors, you know, you take three or four rounds to maybe knock a, a bit of quote unquote rust off and you are my player's goal is to be a better player in March than they were in November because of all the resources that we have. You don't look at it to maintain your skill level or, you know, just to, just to hold on for dear life. And then you get outside and, you know, you never know what happens. They should be better players. They all, you know, in March and they are in November. And if you use those things and actually do them, 
um, there's no reason for you not to develop. Yeah. And I love that you went, you know, from the beginning right to stats because, you know, I think that in anything that we do, we've got to take a catalog and a snapshot of, all right, here's where we are, good, bad, and different. And, you know, where are we trying to go? And based on that and where we are right now, what things do we need to refine to get to point B, right? Absolutely. Um, and you mentioned ANOVA. I'm familiar with ANOVA. There's a lot of other stat programs out there. I use something called the Grint, um, which I can track some of my stats through that as well. Um, it's probably a little bit less expensive and less, less intricate model. Uh, I think it's like 20 bucks a year that I pay for it. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, and you know, so there's some different programs that are out there for those of you that are listening that, you know, the stats are super important because, um, you know, it's like, oh gosh, I don't know what another example would be, but, um, you know, even just going into the gym and, and trying to, you know, go through a workout and you have no idea what you're trying to accomplish. <laughs> you're just going in there and like lifting random weights, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, you know, it can be very similar in trying to improve your golf game. Uh, but if you can, you know, look at those stats and take a snapshot, then you can kind of help formulate your game plan going forward. Absolutely. I mean, to have a plan, I, my, my wife and I always joke about this, but it's like, you know, if I go in the weight room and I go in there and I sit down and I scroll, scroll on Twitter for an hour and then I stand up and walk out I'm like, well, I went to the gym today, but I didn't really do anything. <laughs> you know? I was in there. I wasted an hour. Right? It's like coming in here and just blindly hitting full seven iron after full seven iron. And, you know, it, you're not you just just stay home. You're just wasting your time where, you know, other players could come in who are actually looking at data and, you know, they're able, able to help. Um, so like you said, it's, it's a huge part of the game and that's definitely the way it's going on all levels right now. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, actually it's funny. I was listening to a podcast this morning uh, while I was working out and they were talking about Augusta national. There's some speculation, I guess some new um, Google earth images came out of Augusta national. I saw that, and- yeah. Did you see it? Yeah. And apparently there's some, uh, what is it? 13, uh, par five where they've got some dirt and stuff that's back against, they had bought some property from Augusta country club and they're talking a little bit about, you know, what are they going to do and stuff like that? But I bring that up because you mentioned stats being so important and that's the way golf is going. Augusta's saying they're not making any decisions yet until the RNA, um, and USGA come out with, some stat reports that I think come out in the beginning of February. So yep. it's just funny you said that because you know, you know even golf courses are making decisions based off of that. What what are what are your thoughts? Do you think they're going to build another team? Yes, I, I do. I do too. And uh, I just I mean they they kind of have to soon um, just with the way like you said technology is going. Yeah, I mean they were saying that I was listening to uh, when I was listening this morning they were saying that you know, there's guys that are hitting pitching wedge into 13 exactly, um, and it's a par five. Right. And it's like the next yep. hole 14 is, I think even plays even a little bit longer if I'm not mistaken yep. is par four. So yeah, I think it, I think it has to, I mean, there's obviously so much history at Augusta and you know, they don't want to just make changes to make changes, but I think that they also, they've made changes over the years to grow with the game. Yeah. Um, and still preserve that that history. So I think they will, um, and I think it'll make that hole super interesting. It's already a great hole, um, but I think it'll you know lengthen it a little bit, making somebody make a decision to go for it or not, and that risk reward could make for a really interesting uh, end to Amen Corner there. Absolutely. I mean, giving guys five, six, seven irons in instead of like you said, pitching wedges, and like I mean say a par five par four whatever it is if 
even if one of my guys has an eight iron into a hole, whether it's a par four or par five, I guarantee you they're going for the green and two. But when you put that label of, oh, it's a par five, you know, they, they should you lay up? Like, no, you got to look at the holes, what it is. And these guys are averaging 130 yards in and they're not averaging, but, you know, they can have 130 yards in. And, uh, you know, th- there's been so many great golf courses that have been, you know, quote unquote, obsolete in the last slowly are becoming obsolete in the last decade because of technology. And that's fine if we're, if we're not going to switch anything, but we like, I don't think the, the committee at the masters is ever going to make sure that Augusta national is obsolete. So they're going to make sure that, you know, that course is uh, going to be prepared for the best players year in and year out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let's talk a little bit about caddying. Um, your wife is playing right now. Uh, she's a professional golfer, but you've had a lot of experience caddying um, professional tournaments, men's and women's um, Q school, you know, those types of things. And I'm, I'm asking, I want to ask about caddying because I know that being on the bag and, and looking through a different lens um, can help you see things from a different perspective and I'm curious about some of the things that you've taken away in a caddying experience that's helped you both as a player and as a coach. Um, you know, what have those experiences done for you? For sure. So, well, my wife and I always joke, so she'll, she'll caddy for me. And I'll, I mean, obviously I'll, I'll caddy for her in much bigger events, you know, LPGA or club championships, you know, what's really big. So, <laughs> uh, we always joke, like when she's caddying for me or vice versa in our heads, you know, we're watching each other, you know, ups and downs and struggle. I'm like, man, this game is so easy. Like, what are the, you know, what are they doing? This game is so, you know, you look at the number, you look at the club and boom, you hit it. But you just right. get such an emotion involved to it when you're actually playing. And that's what a lot of the, uh, you know, the, the mental side of it is like detaching that emotion from what is objectively in front of you and executing that. But so many times, you know how it is, your emotions get involved and such an easy thing, like, uh, you know, maybe an easy up and down, you maybe hit the six feet and then don't make that putt. And it's like, well, there's a stroke. Um, right. But uh, I've learned a lot about myself from coaching and caddying. And we're actually going to start incorporating some stuff this spring where our guys for practices are going to have to caddy for one another for nine holes and just really see it from 10,000 feet. And, um, you know, just learn a lot about yourself. I, I say now I'm a much better player now than I was in college. I'm just not as good of a golfer because I don't practice as much. But as far right. as, you know, just my knowledge and just how to react to shots and decision making and, you know, when to go for it, when to attack this pin, where to lay up off a tee. It's, it's so much better now than it ever was when I was practicing, you know, 40 hours a week. Uh, it's, um, it's crazy how much you can really learn about yourself. And at the end of the day, I mean, yes, golf's a very challenging game because like you said, a 500 and some yard hole, if you don't get it, you know, on a par five, if you don't get it inside the hole in four or less shots, it's, it's not a great hole, but, um, it's challenging in that aspect, but really it's, it's an easy game. You know, you, you, you get the ball and you hit it with a club and you put it in the hole and, but you just, like you said, you just attach so much emotion to it. It, it can be tough. So it's just trying to get my players to learn that, you know, they have the abilities to do it. And once they can detach that emotion, especially in a negative aspect to it, then the, the sky's the limit for them. Yeah. What about parent caddies? So, I mean, in the young junior golf space, and there's a lot of parents listening to this that, have the opportunity to be on their bag for their kids and some younger junior events and stuff like that. Can you give me any advice to those parents just about, you know, some good practices and good things that they can do to uh, support their junior through the round? 
Absolutely. Uh, I thought one of your last podcasts with Ben Curtis was so cool how he doesn't caddy for a son because i mean is there another parent out there watching their son play that knows more than ben curtis does right like who can help their son more but he says no it's better for the longevity of my son if he learns from this himself and i'm sure he sees his son fail all the time but the fact that you know after the round they talk about it and like like kind of going on what he said you can't coach really during the round um you know you just kind of give them a little bit of advice here and there when you're caddying and or coaching um and just you got to do all the prep work beforehand and it's not like i always joke with my guys i will never be mad at them for a bad round coach mcgraw says you know i played more bad golf than any of you guys have combined and i can attest to that myself with my guys so it's i would just say i mean you just you have to encourage the development of your son or daughter after a bad round you can't beat them down because they're already they care so much about this and after a bad round you know you telling them you know why'd you do this why'd you do that it's just it's tearing them down a little bit more and i think just maybe giving them a little bit of time and then just being a positive influence like hey you're in this situation here maybe what was your thought process here like i'm not saying it was wrong or 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 right but and then that's, I think that's maybe a better way to approach it. Um, like I said, growing up in an ice ho- in, in a house with ice hockey, my dad and I have an amazing relationship. He's one of my best friends, but man, he was tough on me with golf growing up. And I just yeah. I don't know if that was the right approach to it. Um, there's a little bit of a disconnect there. And um, at, at times because of that, just because he knew how good of a player I was and, oh, you shot 77. Hey, I didn't, I don't want to shoot 77, you know, like I didn't need <laughs> right. to make those back-to-back doubles, but he he just knows that there's there's more in there and i know a lot of parents do and that's why they're hard on their kids but um i think definitely coaching and and um this the whole world just kind of turning a little bit more to be a little more positive based and um that that's what i would recommend and i think that's not only going to help the golf that you know your child as as a golfer but i think it's going to really grow your relationship as well knowing that even in those tough times that you're there for them and you know you're looking for their best interest and you might say a thing or two that they might not want to hear, but you know, they got to know that you, you say it because you love them. And I, I think that's the best way to do that. Yeah. And I think it's interesting. The sample question that you give is, um, is a great one. And I think what it speaks to is just the maturity of adults, right? I mean, our thought process as we get older becomes more mature, hopefully. Um, <laughs> and so. you know, we can continue to, you know, break down situations, um, on a different level than, than younger people. And so, yeah, I think asking questions like the one that you put out there, similar type questions can help that player kind of start looking at things from a little bit of a different angle. And like you said, not, not saying it's right or wrong, but Hey, let's just talk about it. Like, what were you thinking here? And, you know, my dad, when I had him on my podcast, like a month or two ago, uh, was talking about this, almost exact same thing where there was a guy that he latched onto when he was growing up and literally almost every round, even if it was a practice round, um, but certainly tournament rounds, he'd go over to his house afterwards and he'd sit down and they would just say, all right, take me through your round shot by shot. Tell me, you know, what were you thinking there? And, you know, what were you thinking here? And, you know, was there another option there? What were your options there? Um, You know, those types of things. So, 
Yeah, I think that's really good advice. Absolutely, and 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 like I said, it was just I think it was just so new to to my family with with golf, and you know we'd been a hockey family for I mean now it's been you know, 30 30 ish years, uh, so to go from that, you know, I mean hockey's a lot like you know football, a lot of in your face and you know yelling and you know screaming, and but then going straight from golf to where it's so psychological to where it was just a it was just a very very I mean they couldn't be more different games from that from that aspect, but. Uh, yeah, it's, and I'm still learning myself. I mean, my uh, on on how to do those things, and luckily playing at a fairly high level, and like you said, caddying at you know an LPGA events and Q school, and I mean, you slowly start to learn when is the right time to ask things. You know, like when, when my wife and I caddy for each other, she is one of the most competitive people I've ever met in my life. I mean, sometimes it is disgusting. She always says, <laughs> "You show me a good loser, I'll show you a loser." I said, Kate, you will never <laughs> talk to my golf team then. But, uh, but uh, so there's a lot of times that, you know, I'll caddy for her. And, you know, obviously we're having a rough stretch or whatever. And maybe we got to give it an hour or two. And, and then we'll talk about it. Or sometimes she's like, you know what? Let's just get it off the table right now. Um, yeah. But uh, like you said, as long as you can make the, the conversation is meant to be constructive, correct? It's not meant to break them down. So you got to sure. figure out how to make that conversation constructive. And that's what goes back to what you were asking about coaching the women's team and the men's team and is every player is different. So, you know, there might be some guys that, you know, I might need to get on them a little bit. So you know, we got to get this in gear. And there's other guys that if I said something like that to them, you know, they might have, you know, not only do they not, you know, maybe lost a little confidence with the bad round they play, but they're like, Oh my gosh, if I do that again, coach is going to re- you know get on me. Like you, you can't, you can't really handle every situation like that. So um, yeah. yeah, it's just games change so much. For sure. For sure. Um, let's shift a little bit. Cause I know that, uh, I know you got, you've got a full day. Um, I want to talk before we, you know, start wrapping up about just recruiting because we've talked about recruiting before on the show. Um, you're the first D2 coach that I've had on the show. So I kind of want to talk a little bit about just your recruiting process. Um, maybe if you could talk a little bit about what's available out there, um, scholarship wise in the D2 level, and I know you've got some unique um, structure around your team in terms of JV and varsity. Can you talk about those types of things? Yeah, for sure. So I always have this cool story that I tell recruits. Um, I, I think it was my first semester coaching with Coach Grove. I don't think it was my senior year. I think it was my, my first semester coaching. And we went to D.C. for a tournament, Washington, D.C. And, um, you know, we're my, the guys from the van. And they asked, you know, hey, Coach, um, who are we paired with today? And, you know, we were paired with. Uh, Mizzou and he's like looks up West Florida and you know someone said West Florida who's that and one of the kids like who's, you know what what are, are they we looked it up like we've never heard of West Florida so I looked up their division two school guys and some of the guys were kind of you know chirping you know oh D2 blah 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 long story short Matt I think they beat us by like 46 shots that tournament and they won the event yeah. by like 30 and so then my coach really got on us like oh you think it's real funny now like you think D2 kids can't play and you know, so it's just, uh, it, was, it was just, it was really, I was one of my first times ever playing against a division two team in college. And I'll tell you what, they really handed it to some of our guys and um, no, there's, I mean, there's, and that's the thing is, I mean, especially at the higher level of D two and D three, I mean, there's some incredible teams. I know uh, there's a team here in Ohio, um, Wittenberg, um, they're a division three school. And last year they won a division one tournament, like all D one field uh, and all D one yeah. by 12 strokes, I think. Um, wow. Yeah, there's, there's, I have a buddy that played at Wittenberg, actually. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They've had a good program for a long time. And uh, so, I mean, a lot of it is really the same. It's just finding kids 
who obviously were a smaller school. We only have, you know, roughly two grand on, on and come, you know, to and from campus. So that was a transition for me, for instance, you know, I went to a school with roughly 15,000. I had sure. you know, lecture halls of hundred, 200 kids and an average, an average class size here is between 17 and 20 students. So it's just <clears throat> trying to find, uh, you know, the kids that want to come in and um, obviously are, are going to get their degree. They're coming in, get their education. Um, we're a private school and, um, we're looking for kids, obviously, who are wanting to develop in golf and something that we can offer that a lot of D1 schools that we are recruiting, quote unquote, against with these kids. I mean, we're not, I'm, no, I wouldn't say I mean, I'm recruiting against any, even our, our rival school, Finley, you know, he's uh, Dom and Justin, their coaches, they're two of my best friends. You know, my wife and I are godparents sure. to Dom's kids um, and my other friends that coach D1 golf. I mean, we talk about kids all the time, you know, good, bad, and different. Um, so the schools that we recruit against, one of our big things that a lot of kids choose us for is, you know, we have a much higher chance of winning conference championships, qualifying for regionals, qualifying for the national championship. Um, and that's, that's some things that I definitely missed from my experience. Um, one of the, one of the schools that I was being recruited by um, in, in my process was uh, St. Leo. Well, if I would have stayed for a fifth year at St. Leo, they won a national title. So that would have been yeah. a pretty cool thing, but um that's something that my wife got in her four in her college career that I will never get and good, bad, and different, whatever. Um, you know, she's a, a multi all American national runner up, um, conference player there, all these things. That's, that's what she wanted to get out of her career. And because of that, I think that's why a lot of people wanted to sponsor her after school is to, um, you know, she had that success and, um, if she would have gone to a, you know, another school where she maybe wouldn't have shined as much as, she did she probably wouldn't have got those looks even if she did develop at the rate she did um but here at tiffin um uh specifically we it was something that i had never even heard of until i got here um when i went on my job interview like i said i mean i i i started coaching at 23 and i applied for my first head coaching job at 26 so it was very very quick and i'm actually in the interview process you know hey siri uh what are things to ask in an interview? You know, and one of the things is, uh, <laughs> I, I, it's, it's funny, but I, I did. And it said some things you might have concerns with. And one of them was, I, I, know I, I was, I was racking my brain cause you know, all of it seemed too good to be true. And I looked on their website and the, the men's golf team at, at the time had like 18, 19, 20 guys. And I was like, well, that's obviously a little different. So I brought that up and I asked my AD, um, Mr. Allen, who's incredibly supportive. Um, I said, yeah. you know, Hey, Mr. Allen, uh, how familiar are you with college golf? And he's like, I'm pretty familiar. I said, well, how do you expect a team of, you know, 20 to be successful and have my players develop if only five play? He's like, oh, no, no, no. He's like, you don't have, your team doesn't have 20. He said, your roster has 20. And I was like, you lost me. What are you, what are you saying? So <laughs> yeah. he kind of explained the whole JV and varsity process. And he said, we're a smaller school. And every team on campus has a varsity and junior varsity roster. How you manage that is completely up to you. So I'll give you an example of what I do. And a lot of my players, they look at as you, a lot of my recruits, you can look at this as a positive or a negative. And every single kid on my team looked at this as a positive, which is why they came here. Um, so like, for instance, this past fall, I had 18 guys 
come to campus the past fall right when classes started. They get about a week, you know, to get used to the classes, you know, get used to their dorm life, their roommates, being away from home. And then they get access to all of our golf courses to, to um, practice at and prepare for. Fourth day of classes, I do initial qualifying. So everyone starts at ground zero. I don't care if you're a three-time All-American or a walk-on freshman. Uh, at, I do 72 holes of stroke play Thursday through Sunday. At the end of Sunday, whoever is in my top half, that who is that is who is on varsity. Whoever's in my bottom half, that is who is on JV. And that doesn't yeah. mean that you're going to get neglected or like you just sit around and do whatever. I mean, like I said, I was one of the top players in the state of Ohio coming out of high school. And I went to a college team with nine kids and I was the only freshman and I played in five events in two years. Um, my JV team, I get them in NAIA, D3, um, smaller D2, you know, any kind of events I can. Like, for instance, my JV team this year is going to play in 10 events. And obviously, I have to submit them as a JV, as a B team. Um, and there's stipulations you have to look for, you know, how many events have they played in varsity, things like that. And that's where you have sure. to separate that. But but as far as, as far as that, I mean, all the guys live together. I mean, they work out together. They do cardio together. And my guys joke is, well, they're like, well, coach, I knew moving away to college was going to be a little different. And if I went to a school with a bigger author, I was guaranteed to have more friends right away. So, uh, and some kids come like my number one player on my team right now, he's a senior. He came to campus as a walk on freshman, you know, nothing. He just knew because we have good facilities and he knew that he was guaranteed to play. Even if he came in, didn't play well at qualifying and made the JV team. He was still able to play in college tournaments to prepare and develop and get better. And because of that, his handy, I mean, his, his average has dropped like six shots in his college career, which, you know, is just unheard of. Wow. Um, yeah. So um, uh, he's done, he's done an incredible job. And because of that, not only is he on varsity now, but he, not only on varsity in our top five, he's our number one player and actually won a college event this fall, which is, wow. he's going to be the kid that, you know, if I'm at Tiffin for 40 more years, I'll use him speaking to parents and recruits every single meeting for 40 years. And not only that, but, <laughs> you know, he, he's, he's a big lead by example guy. He, he pushes himself in the weight room and the classroom. And um, so because of that, just having that opportunity and, and knowing, uh, knowing that he's able to play, that's, that's why he came here. And because of that, he's developed. And um, I'm really excited to see what he, he's going to do after school. I, I always tell recruits, I guarantee you, my last man on my roster, whoever that is, 18, 19, 20, because it kind of depends on the year. You know, if I get a kid at the last minute who, who is coming to Tiffin, you know, he's kind of trying to find a space to fit in and he played golf growing up and he, he meets with me and says, Hey coach, can I come try out for your team? Of course, you know, I'd love to have him on the team, the JV team. And I mean, you never know. He might be a great example for some of my other guys. And, you know, he, we, he and I might have a relationship that, you know, might last the next 30 years. So, and, so, and same, sure. it's same with the teammates. Um, but, uh, it's just cool that I always tell recruits, whatever number that last guy is, I can guarantee, I can almost guarantee you that that person is going to play in more college events that season than most college teams, eight or nine man. And I know that as a fact, because I mean, I was at one point a team's eight or nine man. And a lot of my friends, their first year or so of school, that's what it was like. And, you know, a lot of kids who want to come to school and they want to play right away. This is a way for them to develop. And um, I did a very poor job one time, my first semester here, explaining that to a recruit i don't remember doing this but when he told me that he had committed to another school he told me it's because you know coach i loved you you were you know my favorite coach i spoke with you're so young and he said but with as many players as you have on your team i don't think i'm going to play very much my first two years i was like whoa 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 whoa!" i explained it to him a little more clearly and he's like oh my gosh he's like 
I had no idea. Though. I just thought that if I didn't, you know, if I didn't make the top five and there's a chance I could, no, 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 it's completely different. And um, it's, it's, uh, it's like I said, you can look at that as a positive or a negative. And um, everyone that's here and has committed for also the class of 2020 has said that it, you know, it's a positive. And it's, it's a lot of coaches say the number one man, the number one player or the most important player on their team is their six man. Cause their six man pushes the top five and that's who gets better. For me, it's my six man. And it's my number one player on JV because that's pushing everyone who's on varsity. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, that's that's interesting. It's it's interesting how the program is structured and, and what your approach is and how you've taken that. And I think you know my big takeaway from everything that you talked about there, if I'm a parent or I'm a player listening to that, is you know when you go into the recruiting process, it's your opportunity to really develop as much of a relationship with those coaches as you can and get a true understanding and read on how do they operate their program? You know, what are the inner workings of the program? What's the structure like? What's the opportunity to get out there and play? Because at the end of the day, that's what you're going there for, right? I mean, you're going there to get an education, but you're, if you're going to play golf while you're there getting an education, you want to play golf, right? Um, And not just practice all the time. So you know, that's uh, something that I think parents and players, if you're in that recruiting process, you know, really try to get a solid understanding of what that coach's philosophy is on how they're operating their program. For sure. And I mean, that number, that number of players will fluctuate each year, depending on sure. you know, kids maybe focusing a little bit more on their major or things like that, which I mean, I completely understand. That's what they're going to do after school. But um, I mean, and I'm sure every coach who has come before me or maybe after me, will 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 do theirs a little bit differently, but just thinking about kids and uh, you know, the way that I can get them to develop and really enjoy the experience and get better on and off the course. I have found to be, this is, this is the way, that I feel is best for us to do it where every player on my team, like this year, for instance, is one through 17. I feel like this is a really good way for all those kids to do that. So, you know, my, my top varsity guys, those are the guys who qualify and compete every week for those top five, six, seven spots we can take to events. And a lot of times we take 10 or not a lot of times when I'm able to, we take 10, all 10. Yeah. And then the bottom half guys, those guys, they compete and qualify and go up against one another for those events. And, um, I think that's the biggest thing. I tell recruits all the time, you won't find a more transparent coach than me because I'm only 27. I was in the same seat they were 10 years ago. You know, I know what it was like yeah. talking to some bigger schools or or whatever who kind of gave me a little bit of a runaround. And you know what? I, I understand what that's like. I should have maybe just read the, the writing on the wall at first. But, uh, you know, if, if it's not going to work out, it's not going to work out. So I'm never going to lie to yeah. recruit because I don't, I, don't, I don't want a kid to come here and then we're like, oh, well, Coach Miller lied to me. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm going to go somewhere else. Like that, all the work and time and effort I put into developing that relationship with that kid. Because like you said, you're truly developing a relationship. I love recruiting. It's my favorite part of the job, but it's very time consuming and stressful in that. So there's no, why, why lie? You know, if they don't like it, they don't have to come. They can go somewhere else. But, sure. Um, yeah. yeah. Just trying to find those right kids that want to buy in and do that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, are you good on time? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I just had another question. I wanted to, I wanted to go into, you mentioned multi-sport athletes earlier in the conversation. I just want to talk about that yesterday. I actually posted an article um, that I found on pj.com. I've got a LinkedIn page um, for the podcast, just because I know that um, the way that I'm trying to grow this as a resource for parents and players, I know there's a lot of parents on LinkedIn um, that can hopefully gravitate towards this content. So I put an article out there and the article is titled, 
uh, why junior golfers should continue playing multiple sports. And uh, I'm a big believer in this. I know that you brought it up earlier. I think that there are a lot of different motor skills and motor patterns that are learned through different sports at a young age. And I think there does become a point where, you know, you need to kind of dwindle down all the activities to, to sort of hone in on what you're trying to focus on and really take your game to the next level. Um, but what are your thoughts around multi-sport athletes if you want to go a little bit more in-depth into that? Yes, yeah, so I think the first thing is just being a good teammate because I know I mean, a lot of coaches say, and I'm 100% with them when it comes to college golf. Uh, I mean, I look at this as a team sport. It is so much easier. Our golf program has qualified for the national championship two of the last four years our team has. We haven't had an individual do it because it's so much more challenging to do that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's my biggest thing. Uh the, the, uh, the best attribute, the best attribute to being a good teammate is being able to enjoy other people's success. Um, I mean, golf's a great game, but if you've only played golf your whole life, you might struggle a little bit with that in college, especially when, you know, your roommate and best friend beats you out in qualifying and he's going on that trip and you're not, you know, you might be sitting there like, oh man, you know, that should be me there. And, you know, some kids might, you know, think in the back of their head, you know, like, well, I just want my another, you know, I want my next chance to qualify and go instead of going like, you know, Hey, I want him to go out there. He earned it. He deserved it. Kind of like, you know, if you're on a basketball team or ice hockey or football, you know, sometimes you got to sit, the coach is going to do what's best for the team. And that doesn't always mean making everybody happy. So, right. You know, you, you got to go out there, you know, even you might be sitting the bench right there. You still want that guy to, you know, get the game winning basket or score the game winning goal, you know, for your team to win. Cause that feels good. Um, it's a lot easier for the team to win than individuals. Um, and then a, a lot of it too is, is um, especially with, you know, team workouts, pushing yourself there, not only, like I said, being a teammate on the golf course, but you know, everywhere else, you know, um, it's just a lot more open-minded um, as far as, you know, pushing yourself and uh, pushing others, I should say, and uh, indoor practice and workouts and cardio and, and study tables and their grades. And um, I just feel, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are still incredible recruits that I've had that have never played on their team sports, but I just feel like sure. consistently it's, it's a little bit easier for that young man or woman to make the transition to a college golf team. Cause I know most coaches in the country look at it as a team sport to, to make that transition. If they had had played a team sport, you know, growing up. Yeah. What about on the skill development side? Yeah. I, I feel like uh, my biggest thing I've seen is like, I know it's, it's coming to be the, the hot button thing is, is speed. And I'm seeing a lot of kids who have played other sports, obviously with some form of strength training program who have got a little upper hand um, on people who maybe have just played golf is I feel like they have a lot more speed with their golf swing than um, kids who maybe have just practiced golf their whole life. And uh, just, you know, just uh, the conditioning of the 36 whole days, you know, you're getting up, having breakfast, warming up for 30 minutes to an hour, walking 36, getting done, you know, all right, now I got to do my homework and do this. And, um, I just feel like it, it may be a little bit more discipline in that, in that aspect. Um, not only physically, but, you know, to sit down like, all right, now I've been at it for 12 hours. I'm exhausted, but I got to finish this paper up and send it, submit it by midnight. Um, cause all those things correlate. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting. You, you almost <laughs> took a point verbatim out of this article and I scrolled to it because I just wanted to read it real quick because um, I think it's super important. But it was just talking a little bit about, um, you know, generation before some of the kids that are coming up right now and me specifically. I'm not that old. I'm 33 years old, but I didn't grow up with a phone in my hand. I got one when I started driving, uh, but I was outside all the time playing in the neighborhood, running around with, you know, the neighborhood kids 
playing just all kinds of different sports out in the yard. And the article says these activities taught coordination, uh, which is the basis of all sports. Playing multiple sports will help your child learn how to control and use both sides of their body and figure out how to produce speed in their golf. Oh yeah. So, um, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head for sure. And not, not only that, but like being able to control that speed too. Uh, I think, I think it was JB Holmes who had, who had the quote and he was like, teach your kid growing up to swing it fast. Cause then they're always able to tone it down and hit a knockdown. If you always sure. teach them growing up to, you know, nice and smooth and whatever, well, if they ever have to jump on one, it's their sequencing is going to be way off. So, you know, developing that a little quicker pace, obviously injury prevention wise as well, you know, gotta be smart about this, but um, I think that's, that's going to be the quickest way for, for these young players to, you know, breach their potential at a younger age and, you know, see how far their game can go. Yeah. What yeah. Can, can you, can you send me that article when we get off? I'd love, I'd love to take a peek at that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And for those of you that are listening that want to learn more about this too, um, I encourage you to jump on LinkedIn. If you're on there, if you're a business professional on LinkedIn, uh, my page on there is exactly like the podcast. It's junior golf keys. And I'm just posting articles just like this that um, hopefully can help you guys with uh, learning about different aspects of developing young players. And so the article, like I said, is called why junior golfers should continue playing multiple sports. Um, and yeah, I'll definitely send it to you that's, when we wrap up. That's awesome. Um, I know uh, we kind of we touched on it, but being a younger coach, you know, I've only really, I've, I've been coaching college golf now for five years and you know, a lot of the coaches I go against have been coaching for, you know, 20, 30, heck 40 years, even and they're in their sixties. And so what I may lack in experience, I, I mean, this is all, all I do is, you know, listen to these podcasts and read, read books and read articles and just trying to absorb as much info as I can. You know, obviously my body's young, but I try to get my brain as, as experienced as I can until I obviously put in some more time. And um, so that, that'd be awesome. I'd love to see that. Yeah, for sure. I'll send it to you. Um, <clears throat> all right. I want to wrap up. And one of the things that I started uh, last week, actually, is just something new because I had retained some feedback from some folks listening is to give a little bit more insight into me. So the last piece of this um, episode and episodes going forward is I'm going to flip the script a little bit and ask you as a guest to ask me a question. Okay. It can be anything. Um, so I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but is there anything that you're curious about me and, uh, either my experience or just my opinion on something, um, that you'd like to throw my way? So obviously, I, I mean, you've done an incredible job with this podcast and I think you're, I mean, you, you haven't even been doing it for a year yet. You've already reached so many thousands of people. I would like to know, I mean, obviously it's great. I mean, you're very, very passionate about this. You know, was there ever a defining moment or, or a time when you're like, you know what, I think this is such a crucial part of these young players lives, you know, um, you know, getting from the junior aspect to then get to college. You know, when did you decide, like, this is what I want to do and I think that I could do and you have done a great job, but I think that I can impact these, you know, these young men and women and their, their families to, you know, help them educate them a little bit more. Was, was there ever a time or did you have like a, an epiphany or anything like that that kind of led you to this? Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say any type of epiphany, but really, um, my career path honestly, uh, accelerated me doing this, which is, uh, for those of you that don't know, I was in the academy world for about three years recruiting junior players, um, for a golf program in an academy. And I loved it. I love building relationships with the families. 
Um, I loved mainly, you know, my main goal every single time that I met with a family was I was sitting down to help them make the best decision for their kid at that time. And whether that was come here this semester, come here next semester, come here in a year and a half because you're going to need a little bit more development first or don't come here at all because this might not be the right place for you. I just wanted to help them make the best decision. So with taking that approach, I learned that uh, there was a really big need for information, that there was a lot of parents out there that had a lot of questions about the junior golf space. You know, what do I play in? How do I train? Uh, what types of things are important for my junior golfer uh, conversations that I would have with families all the time. And so I shifted my career slightly. I'm still working in golf, but I've shifted to uh, working for a professional um, tournament now uh, where I'm working to build and grow that. And so I stepped slightly out of the junior golf space, but I didn't want to completely remove myself from it. So I started this as a way to, uh, keep myself involved with the junior golf game and the up and coming young players, but to give parents and players and coaches a resource, uh, because I just think that there's a, a thirst for it. Oh, for sure. And I mean, and I always tell, like, I, you know, when a recruit comes on campus, you know, I'll say, uh, please bring some questions with you that you may have about myself, the program or university, and I'll be happy to answer it. And I, I have a, a bullet note, you know, bullet list of, 20 more questions that they should be asking, but it's not their fault that they don't know to ask these questions, but I'll always, all right, a few more things, you know, let me tell you about this and this and this, you know, um, grades, you know, uh, success rate, things like this, because I mean, they, it's not their fault to know. They just don't really know because you know, they, sure. this window that they go through, like you said, is, I mean, at most, usually it's, it's just a, a couple of year experience and you're only going to talk to really, really talk to a handful, maybe 10 coaches, you know, to an extent, um, that you're very, very interested in. And, uh, so it's, it's not their fault, but that's good. I mean, as much as they can get educated, the better. And, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome to hear. And it seems like you're passionate about it, which is, I mean, the main thing, do something you love. Um, so that's, that's great. Yeah. Thanks. And, you know, I appreciate your kind words about the podcast and, you know, I got an email yesterday and I get emails a lot, uh, you know, just from different parents that, um, you know, one was a single mom that I got an email from yesterday who just said, boy, I just really appreciate you doing this. You know, my son and I have just been following this and learning from it. And, you know, we've pulled a lot away to just help him. You know, he's super passionate about the game of golf, but we just don't know what to do. And this podcast has helped us with that. So it's notes like that comment comments like yours that, um, just help solidify that, you know, I, that I'm going down the right path with it. And I'm re like you said, I'm really enjoying it and I'm having a lot of fun with it. So um, I appreciate you being part of it. No, for sure. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun. And, and like I said, I, I appreciate that. And I mean, it was good for my development. Like I said, this is my, uh, this is my, my first podcast. So it was, uh, it was a lot of fun and um, I, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man. I think you knocked it out of the park. I really appreciate it. Well, awesome. Well, you have a great rest of your day and uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch. All right, Jake, you too. Thanks. Well, guys, that wraps up episode 22 of Junior Golf Keys with the head men's coach at Tiffin University, Jacob Miller. Uh, as you can tell, Jacob is super passionate about what he's doing. Uh, definitely think that he's in the right place in terms of uh, coaching young men in the game of golf. Uh, his passion for golf, his passion for 
you know, helping develop young men uh, definitely comes through and uh, really appreciate him taking the time to share his journey with us and uh, share some advice for you guys. And I hope you took a lot away from it. Uh, and if you did take a lot away from it, uh, please share it. Please go leave a review. Um, you know, just trying to make this thing better and provide you guys with a resource uh, where you can, you know, grab some information to help you through your junior golf journeys. So thanks for tuning in. I hope you join me next week for another episode of Junior Golf Keys.